Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It is an absolute privilege. How are you, Milneton? Are you well? It's so good to be here this morning. Had an interesting drive to you this morning as there is a triathlon on the main road, so there's traffic all over. So in Kuburg, it was awesome. Got to pray for View Church, which I don't normally see on a Sunday, and CLC, and um, what's the guys, the other View Church here, uh, just to see God's life. Got to pray for some of the businesses in the life of the church, and um, had a nice 20-minute drive to be here with you. So it's fun. It's awesome. And uh, such a privilege. Also, I've got a little six-year-old who's doing a school play end of the month. And his line is this, Philippians 4 verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So I've got that in my head because he walks around the house all the time, just quoting scripture, but just one scripture. Now I'm behind a guy with a boat this big going, Lord, bless him. He's already got hashtag the boat on the back. I'm saying, bless him, Lord, because all I've got is my kid's scripture quoting in my ear, which is good. The Lord has his ways. It is wonderful to be with you this morning. We are in a series called Eternity Matters. And um, Gabe has been preaching it so well, but we sat down and we said, actually, all too often the church has done something well called telling people how to give, but they haven't given the big story of the why. The big story of the why is don't just give to be blessed, be give to tick off a box, give and partake your Christian duty. It's such a small picture. There is the big story of the gospel and eternity at stake. And somehow there's all these scriptures, there's 500 verses of prayer, there's less than 500 verses on faith, but somehow there's two and a half thousand verses on this thing called money. And you've got to sit up and go, wow, it has an impact. Jesus is giving a sermon on the mount. It's like this, putting this one down so that everyone gets it. And he says, actually, man can't have two masters. Man cannot serve both God and money. Why did he stay there? Why didn't he just go like, you can't serve rugby and God. You can't serve your favorite, uh, I don't know leisure activity and God. No, he says you can't serve God and money because somehow God knows that in the heart of man, there's a default to smallness. There's a default to making this thing of money something of a master in our lives, something that gets worshiped, something that gets sacrificed for. I I see people all the time paying sacrifices like their family for more money, like leaving um, places God has them for other places just for something called more money. I see a lack of trust in the voice of God leading, which we are designed for, versus the voice of money sometimes leading. God wants to get into these areas. Why? Because there's a big picture called eternity. And when I get baptized, which is amazing that people got baptized this morning, and you've got less water than we had, so this would have been hard. You you would have had to really dunk the guys, like in this one, eh? Like right back. Um, Yeah, you can't even see them, like where they're gone, and they're back again. Um, But... But I don't just get baptized in like my feet, you know? Put my feet in my new fancy white shoes that you probably can't see, but like just those. That's, no, I, when I get baptized, and that's why we believe in full immersion baptized, the blood of Jesus, the courage story of the gospel touches every part of my life, from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes, every ambition, every dream, my time, my talents, my treasures, all immersed in Jesus. That's when I get all of Jesus in my life. 
I want Jesus to have every part of my life, not just a song that I sing on a Sunday. When I got baptized, I got baptized in all of Jesus. And I probably did take my wallet out and put my cell phone out. When I got baptized, there were no cell phones. It wasn't a thing. But, um, but I wish that if I believed in baptism again a second time, I would take everything. My time, my talents, my treasures, my wallet, my family, everything. Let's all just get baptized in Jesus. But I am already. It's a decision I make every morning to make him king and lord of all in my life. It's a decision you get to make. And I've said it before. If you back me into a corner and said, tell me the gospel in three words. I would just say this, how much more? In Luke 11, Jesus speaking says, though the fathers on this earth know how to give good gifts, I'm a dad, I think I can give good gifts. I know my limitations though. He says, though fathers on this earth, though they are evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more the Father in heaven? When that revelation light bulb goes on in my life, I start living differently. I start trusting God differently. I start making less reactive decisions to the things that cross my path, and I start trusting more in the big story of the big guy who holds eternity in his hands. I start making big, different decisions. Maybe with something like money. So today, I was going to do two parts. It transpired in a table. I'm only going to do one this morning because I want to help us this morning. And I want to preach about something that we've done for the last two years because I was part of a church. I started tithing regularly. I'd given before, but started earning a regular income and salary at 21 years old. Privilege. And the greatest privilege is that for now 20 years, I have never not worked. What a privilege. It's the grace of God. I've never not worked. I've never not earned a salary. But that's been every month since then. I've had to make a willful decision to trust God in the area of giving in my life. Every single month. I never knew anything about finances other than you have to give. But most churches, there was something. I'm the guy who asks why. I've inherited a 10-year-old who does the same. But we're not going to talk about him now. Um, but I was like, that's awesome. I give, I get the why, but where does it go? What is it? And we're calling people to something called partnership. The language of Corinthian, Paul in Philippians is this. I thank my God every time I remember you. And I trust that it be true for my same heart as we thank and pray. I thank God for every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from first until now, being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Lord Jesus Christ. We have a mission. God's calling it to completion. That's only in Jesus. My confidence is in one thing and one thing alone, Jesus. If Paul's life was put on a display and we said, was this guy successful? Most of us would say no. Shipwrecked multiple times, hungry many times, whipped and beaten a whole lot of times, in jail many times. Like, doesn't sound like a successful ministry. In the world of social media, he would have been trouble. But he writes something of a statement to the confidence of my soul. He says, on your mission, man, I thank God for every day, but it's a partnership. We're in a partnership, and we don't have it on the wall here, but our partnership and the vision vision for that partnership is we want to reach people for Jesus. Those who are far from Jesus, we want to reach them. So we want to reach far. We want to raise up. Young people taking over the world with a passion for Jesus. I'm so excited to see something of the launch team gathering on Wednesday. A lot of young people with lots of things they could be doing on a Wednesday night and with their life, choosing to partner in the planting of something that God is doing in the city of Cape Town. Raising people up to be those 
people who are paying a price, who are sacrificing, and, and then to release wide. And, and that when people would leave us, they're not just, well, if you have to go, go. No, we release them. We send them with the gospel in their souls, touched every part of their lives, changed from the person they came in to the person they left. Changed. And we send them out. Not just the pastors. I'm talking business people. I'm talking Courtney, who goes as a teacher to Germany to be with her husband. She's, she's been leading worship. Yeah, she goes there as a leader. She goes there equipped. I'm talking those stories. The people who move for work, for business, whatever it is. But I want to encourage us, as I encourage, we do encourage people to give financially to the local church story. Time, talents, and treasures. Why? Number one, I know it's good for your soul. Because my Bible tells me that. I know it's good for my soul. Because the Bible told me that too. It's good for the gospel mission of God. The advancing of the kingdom of God. And somehow, God could do it without, but he chooses to allow us to partner. I'm not just in partnership with people. I'm in partnership with the Trinity. How cool is that? He says, actually, we're going to allow your rands and cents, your feeble little nothing, that actually in the scale of the context of heaven won't make a difference. But actually, I need it to make a difference because it makes a difference in your soul and the authenticity of the gospel story reaching and pioneering. And then it's good for the world around us. The church should be leading in every area of social justice and influencing the poor and seeing transformation come. I'm not just talking finances, I'm talking our time. I'm talking young people making decisions to choose careers not based just on a financial outcome, but based on a transformational outcome. It's got to be that. Otherwise, we're not the church that is radical and wild and a little bit dangerous. You know that? We're called to be dangerous. Like, people should talk about us, like, don't get too close to those guys, because your life's going to be set ablaze, and you're going to start making some different decisions that we won't understand anymore. But you know what? You'll become a sign and a wonder, pointing to a mighty king. I love it. So I'm going to give you a few things. Can you say, show me the money? You've got to say it a little bit like Tom Cruise. You, if you're under 30, you don't know what I'm talking about. It was a very good movie, Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. There we go. Yeah. Okay, you asked for it. Um, but, but what we do is we put in growth percentages so you have an idea of where we spend the money for contextual reasons. We don't put rands and cents. We just find it helpful to tell people the story of the finances and the life of the church. So here's the story. Right now, um, in terms of August, September 2017 to August 2018 versus September 2018 to August 2019. Those are what I'm showing you in this slide is the financial outcome of this last year versus the year before. And we can show the next slide, please. This uh, just shows something of the growth. I want to say thank you to an amazing, amazing church who gives powerfully and sacrifices wonderfully and celebrates, and, and we, our giving has increased by 25% year on year. In tough economic times, yes, we have grown. Yes, God has added people to the story, but I want to say thank you. I want to tell you we don't take a single cent for granted. I don't know who gives. Sharon sees the finances with her team, the, the bank statements. I don't see that. She see, I just see income statements, balance sheets, and that stuff. But we have a powerful community that in tough economic times are prepared to keep giving. I want to say thank you. Thank you for every sensor, and thank you for the partnership. Thank you that we don't have to cajole. I had a meeting with someone who comes from a different church background, and his first question to me, I said, well, what question is that? He says, why don't you ask for money? What do you mean? He's sitting in the church I came from, the pastor, to ask us money all the time. 
And, and, and I'm like, I can't do that. We won't take up an offering after this preach. I'll never manipulate people into giving. All I want is the word of God to grip. And people say, I want to buy into that story. Don't buy into the life changer story. Oh, Grabe's a great leader. And no, no, too small. Buy into the gospel story. That's bigger. But I mean, nice shirt. And, um, and, and, uh, but then we've got another thing, maybe you're confused, well, what is, that's overall income that includes some of our sales that we've done at events and foods. We've had the privilege of, we had an old sound desk that um, we bought many years ago. We replaced, we bought a new sound desk for 38,000 rand and sold the old one for 22. Thank you, Britta. Boom. I tell you that because we're a family. And if you don't know, we're going to work hard to make sure that our finances work hard for what they're supposed to. Then you're going to wonder, well, uh, did, I mean, Gabe, that is a fancy new shirt. <laughs> no, we, we invest. Our expenses, though, have grown comparatively. We, have, we are in a growth season. We've had to bring on some staff to facilitate planting a church. Someone's got to organize and phone and establish and put systems in place. So we have, with faith, extended ourselves a little bit for the first time in terms of staff and increasing our staff reality. We have multiple venues with multiple meetings and electricity bills have increased by 40%. Welcome to the world. But the cool thing is that's not just economics, that's just the pioneering story and the vision costs something. And, but I want to say that on the right there, I put margin at minus 4% for a accountant guy. Margin is essentially our net profit income statement factoring in some balance sheet spends so that we have a realistic picture of is there more money coming in than going out. Our margin is slightly down versus the previous year because we are in this growth season. But I do want to say that we have 4.5% margin in our last year's financial, meaning of all the money that came in, we've had 4.5% we've been able to save for future endeavors for what God wants to do with us. And, and as we've stewarded the finances well, I trust we'll increase that. Does that make sense? This is the story. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and um, some of those, there's, there's more expenses, but then we do something called show me the money where we break how we spend the finances. And if you're new to church, welcome. Yes, you walked in and on that day, once a year, we do some family business. Welcome to the family table. But we think it's important. How do we call people to something when they have actually no understanding of where and how and what? We break our finances into four areas. Number one, operations. Number two, beyond our or events and, and special events, and I'll explain what they are. Number three, beyond our walls. And number four, heart for the house. And um, I would love some of these numbers to change, and I'll give you the vision, but this is the reality, and this is how it's worked out after a year of investing. Number one, operations. There's a story behind that number. If I just took your bank account or my bank account and said, there it is, it doesn't really give you the story. I want to give you the story, and this is the story. Operations. A number of years ago, I took over a church that was heavily led by people in one community, one thing. God has shifted us and changed us and given us the space to build financially differently. We don't own this building, but we're able to do life in church. It's the grace of God. The building that we're planting in Cape Town, we've been able to go into. But I want to tell you the building that we've come out of and that's been a resource base of much of that is paid off by a community of 70 people 10 years ago. I stepped into I didn't pay a cent for that building. I was partnering in another story. 
But we as a generation have inherited something profound that God put as a legacy for future generations. Some within us here have probably pioneered and invested into, which is cool. So our operational costs, our endeavor in this regard is obviously to make sure that we are maximizing every cent. And the big idea is to spend efficiently and effectively to see the maximum gain for the kingdom. When we employ people, when we um, spend in areas of buildings or, or whether it is, that used to be a Jojo tank. Now it's a baptismal font. Who knew? And um, God's got these things, projectors and screens and sound desks, um, things like bank charges. And, and that's why we call people to EFT rather than, we, our bank charges increased by 40%. Um, so yes, we changed banks. And... Um, <laughs> simple answer, but, but maybe you're shocked by the operational cost. I, I would tell you that I've been a part of a number of churches' finances, and actually we're far lower than many in terms of our percentage spend in operations, keeping our salaries to a point where we feel we can contain expenditures on buildings, all that kind of stuff, and the external voices that speak into our finances, Roy Dyer, Craig Clark, Richmond Gavin, external to our story, there is health and there is life. I want to say thank you, but the big story is we want to get that down. We want to spend more beyond our wall. So next, next slide, please. The um, special events and ministries. Again, what's the number one line on our um, vision? Reach far. So a number of years ago, we didn't have that clarity. So to spend in those areas didn't make sense. So we didn't spend a lot of air in those areas. Now we seem to spend more in those areas. If I look at events like Terry and Wendy Virgo coming in and investing in the church, reaching, we talk Arise Ladies events. We have lots of visitors come to, and it makes a statement to our city and the follow-up evenings and all those kind of events. I want to say that in an area like youth, um, we've spent 56% more on youth this year than the year previous year, and we need to spend a whole lot more. That's where you go, yes, we do. Say yes, yeah, yes we do. I don't want to do another teenager's funeral. I'm just going to tell you. I don't want to ever have to do that again. Which means we need people who have space and capacity going to schools to tell them about the gospel. Who can be there, who can, we can release Jerry's and Josh's and their whole crew to go into schools to support teachers to, to share the gospel. And whatever that looks like, again, it's not what it costs, it's what it's worth. And, and you've just got to go to one of those type of funerals to realize it's worth a lot. Other areas, life kids, we spend 81% more on life kids this year on the previous year. It means we, you love people's children, you open up the hardest heart to something of, but you've got to love them and serve them well. And, and make sure that there are facilities that serve them well and love that. Just giving you insights insight into these areas. And just so you're aware, something like a Rise Ladies Conference, I know we charge, but it's heavily subsidized as well so that we can serve our ladies and the ladies of the city well. And even if one life has changed, it's worth it. Just one. Every time. Just one. Then, probably the area I love the most is beyond our walls where this money doesn't touch us at all. This is not for our forward movement. This is for other churches, other endeavors beyond the church, investing in areas like Site 5, um, uh, uh, the, the soup kitchen and the, the community that meets there, the recycle swap shop, um, the poor. Yes, within our community and with our community, trying to invest faithfully where we can with wisdom understanding the time, supporting community where possible, and then investing into other endeavors. La 
last year, Sri Lanka and Pakistan, church planting, where we know those pastors being a part of some of the greatest gospel move that's happening in the Middle East. This year, we've invested locally into local church stories that were building, advancing, and needing support. But I have a desire that this would be far greater. We cannot call a church to be a giving church and understand the church. Hey, church, you're conduits of the gospel where we as a church aren't a conduit. I honestly believe every time we dam up water, you leave this water here, it'll get sick. It'll get sick quickly. You put a little inlet and a little outlet, health will stay, but for a while. You put a big inlet and a big outlet, there will be health in here. Where water flows. I'm just a conduit and so is our church. And right now in our own city, there are great churches doing great work who are in such economically tough areas that they cannot survive. We need to help. Corinthians speaks and Paul writes and he writes, says, thank you for giving because the gospel needs to see the money flow. I want to be a part of that. And so we're always asking God, how as a church with faith and sacrifice can we be a part of giving? Lastly, a heart for the house. And this number, last year we invested a bit in, in sound systems and equipment and table view, that courtyard area we use for the events. This year we've invested again in sound systems and all that kind of stuff. And even planning church, we're looking, what do we need to make that work? And is it trailers, is it tow hitches? What do we do to facilitate the way that we're doing it? Which is a reasonably cost-effective vehicle. We want to break into communities. And, and so would we love own buildings all over the city? Sure, but God has led us this way. And actually, it has a financial benefit to us to do that. I realized there was an event in the school last night, so all our stuff had to be ripped out. And I know that, and I'm grateful. But I know God is on the move and doing something really amazing. And we want to make sure that we are investing in what he's given us. And that, so Heart for the House looks like investing into our facilities, our sound systems, and uh, the realities of what we need, the travel, all that kind of stuff. The last one, I want to share with you just something of the vision of where we want to go. And this is the vision of our financial vision. Like I would say to someone who's in a financial tight spot, get a vision for your finances. It starts there. What do you want in your finances? Well, I want 10% give, uh, this percent giving, this percent um, beyond that. I, I want margin. I want saving. I want, well, that's a vision. So where do you start? Well, you start in the field you got, which is the job you got or the space. Start with that vision. Start building. But have a vision with faith. Our vision at this stage in terms of our spend is that we would spend 50%, get our operational cost down to 50% of our spend, get our giving beyond ourselves 20%, get our sowing into stories beyond ourselves 20%, and events and ministries where we keep pioneering and calling people to the gospel. We ran an alpha two and a half years ago. It cost us 36,000 rand to feed however many people it was, 100 and 150 people, which does irritate you a little bit when someone comes to Alpha Course with an Alpha T-shirt on, but I'm just saying, let your gentleness be evident to all. But we want to reach people. And if that's what it looks like, that's what it costs. And we want to host well, because our God is a great host. And we want to love people. And when we have people at moments, we want to serve them well. And, and yes, there's turning numbers over, and you just got to ask the staff, I'm a pain when it comes to that stuff. But we do it because we want to reach with maximum impact. And so that's what it costs. And Heart for the House, 10%. Keep investing. Keep making sure that there's a legacy for the generation to come. Let me just say this. Honestly, it's a miracle. I, I sit with some of my unsaved mates who are big lineys at big companies. And they say, like, Hi, are you all right? I'm like, what do you mean? I remember meeting one of my marketing directors 
um, just out at a coffee shop here. He says, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. He says, but you work for a church. He said, it's amazing. We're still eating, still alive. It's a miracle. Because people give and they buy into the vision of the gospel. We don't talk about money a lot because I honestly don't think that I need to manipulate a cent from anyone. I honestly believe God is the God of how much more and will provide everything he calls us to. I honestly believe that. And... Um, So I want to give a bit of context for giving in the life of our church because I've realized with my own kids, people don't just, well, I'm a Christian now, I must give. That's not what happens really. There needs to be taught. I, I, I remember being 21, earning my first salary check and I needed to pay off a student loan of 47,000 rand, 48,000 rand. I needed a lot of things. I went and sat with a business guy and said, help me. Help me bring order to my finances because I have a vision that one day, one day God will be able to use my life, whatever the income, he'll use it for an outflow. And I want that. Can you help me? Please don't be too prideful to do that. If your life is in financial chaos and you have no way forward, don't run first to a debt counselor. Run to a brother who has an ability to bring order in chaos. And allow the gift of that life to break into your life and then commit to an action plan with the vision to see freedom in life and margin come to your world. That's just how the Bible calls us to navigate these things together. And you know what? It also helps us know who is struggling in community. It's too often, oh, no one came to me when I was in need. Well, who knew? No, I didn't tell anyone. Okay, that's on you. I've gotta be brutally honest. That's on you. Here is a community. They wanna be your friends. They wanna help. They, I can point out people in this community who have financial stories of not just uh, survival, but prosperity and life. I can point them out, speak to them, ask. Someone messaged me the other day because they've started a business and all of a sudden they're in debt and the business was a great idea and it is a great idea, but some bad vehicles were chosen and I just found it out. I said, you need help. 10 minutes later, a message, who can help me? Please give me three names. Here's three names. Oh, I know one of them. I'm gonna meet with them. It takes humility, eh? It takes humility. It's gonna be hard. But on the other side of that faith, there is breakthrough and freedom. So we give of our time, our talents, and our treasures. But why do we give? I want to help us. I want to position us. Number one, we give as an act of worship. And yes, we do do this at something of our partnership course. But I want to help us as a church. Because there's more for us. We give as an act of worship. Why do we do it during worship? Because it's part of our worship. Every month, it is part of my worship. My first act of worship is not singing how great is our God at church on a Sunday. It's a decision of my will that when money comes into my account, my first thing I want to give to us, I want to invest is in the kingdom of God. It's worship. Number two, we give as an act of love for people. People. I love people. And because I love people, I want to be investing in a kingdom story that will keep reaching people. If you love people... Promise you there's no better investment than to invest in the kingdom of God and see that keep reaching happening. God has got more than just the city for us. I'm gonna tell you that. He wants us to reach. He wants us to love. We, we, we gotta reach into some pretty tough areas. Maybe we're financially, I'll be brutally honest, Milneson wasn't the first landing space that was in my head and heart. Because there's some tough realities financially just here. And, and, and when we arrived at Milneson, what was the first thing someone said to you? Welcome to? church graveyard why finances i want to tell you 
God is much bigger. And when God speaks, he sustains. And he's going to use this community plant into the city of Cape Town, some of the most affluent areas. And they're going to go, you coming from where? Milnerton, you need the gospel. Hello. And God does amazing things. When a people choose, we give as an act of freedom. Like I said, no one knows who gives and don't give. The only people in the life of this church that I ask if they give and if they tithe is the eldership team. It's the only team. It's the only people. I don't ask anyone else. You'll never hear me ask that. Unless you're asking for financial direction order, I'll say be a part of that because I've done that since 21, 20 years. But it's an act of freedom. I give because I'm free. There's no law that binds. It's a principle, a godly principle that leads to life. Like brushing your teeth in the morning, like eating food. I teach my kids those the same way as my boy who's just turned nine and got a gracious and great gift from two people in financial terms has had more money than he's ever had in his life going, I want to go to Toys R Us. I said, okay, who are you going to give to first? But this guy, no, not shame. He went, that's awesome. I want to do that. My 10-year-old will be a different conversation. And we give as an act of trust. It says, seek first the kingdom. I, I give as an act of trust. Right up front, beyond, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I trust you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Yours is the big story. Give us today our daily bread. It's a much bigger story than my daily bread. He says, uh, uh, Jesus gets tested and tempted. And he, he says, actually, uh, it's not, uh, it's by the word, every word that comes from my Father's mouth. See, too many men in the church are still trying to turn stones into bread rather than going to the bread of life and trusting him. And God wants to get us there. What do we give? Well, I'll tell you as a leadership and what we believe in, tithing and 10% is not a law. It's a godly principle. It leaves life. We give a portion, but we commit to that. Have a vision. And in your vision, write that down. And I, I, I'm humbled. I've, I've grown up in a home. I've got parents who right now are helped by their children, which is a humbling position to be. And one of my siblings, um, we got a budget from our parents, which is humbling in itself. But in the budget, my dad earns a, a little salary from a job that he does at the moment, half day, which is awesome. He's 80 years old and strong like a bull. He's just going for it. But there's something written, tithing, because they've done it for 50 years in 52 years of marriage. And I saw one of my sisters wrestle, because she's not in church and she doesn't subscribe to all of that. But you know what? She never questioned it. So I asked her, I said, what do you think of that little line? I mean, it'd be nice to take that one out. We have to cover less of some other stuff. She said, no, I've seen them do that for 50 years. That's who they are. It's what they do. And God's grace is in it. And I promise you, I want that story for my life. And it's a, but we give a first portion in a very practical way. It means I don't personally have a preset debit or like debit orders on my account. I go and give monthly. I push a button. Because in that pushing of the button, there's a statement of faith to my own soul that defaults to smallness. My soul in some of these areas wants to climb under the stage and hide under there in a cave sometimes. Like every mighty man and woman of God did at one stage of their life. And God says, I need you out the cave. I need you shining. I need you in a posture of faith. I need you trusting me because then we're going to see miracles. I want to see miracles. Tell you one of the ways, church. I, I, I know people. Uh, hey, there's chaos in my finances. This and someone met with him. Actually, my wife he met with him, and and I, I just asked a question: Are they doing one thing? Because it's an obedience to the word. Things not a will of God. Does God have it for me? I don't need to pray about it in the morning. Do I need to love my wife? If you think you do, you're in trouble. That's just called the general will of God. Love her. 
you don't actually need to pray, do I need to forgive that person? You don't need to pray that prayer. You're wasting time. Read the Bible and get on that journey. If you need help in that journey, find God. Because he's the only way we can do that journey. But some of those things are obedience things. Obedience leads to life, leads to inheritance. On the other side of our obedience, there's an inheritance. And I, we give a portion of all our income and we give to advance of God's kingdom through our church. So people say, well, I give. Well, yeah, but you're at the center of almost all your giving. You give to that family and everyone in the world knows that you're the one giving. What about when you gave and someone like you saw with a car two weeks ago? No one needs to know, but God does it through. When I give every month, I give beyond. And I'll tell you, as a family, my wife and I will commit to leading the way and leading the charge in this area when it comes to the portion of our income that we give away. We'll lead. And, and I'm happy to divulge some of those things with you. But I want it to be, to God be the glory. I'll tell you, when we give to families, most time people don't know who that is. I do it intentionally. So how we give, we give consistently, meaning monthly, every month for 20 years I've done, we give sacrificially. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes I can self-justify and rationalize, but self-justification and rationalization don't lead me to trust in Jesus. You can't rationalize the gospel. You can't rationalize the, the lashes that tore his flesh off his back and off his body. You can't rationalize that. So I can't rationalize my part in the story he calls me to. We give joyfully. Please find joy. If you can't find joy in it, don't give. It won't be a blessing. Find joy. Find joy in partaking in something far more than just something earthly. Partake in something heavenly. And, and we know the, the scripture we've preached, the, 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 what's it? The generosity one. The life gets bigger and larger. Help me out there. Proverbs 11. Life of the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Mm, nice. And um, we give expectantly. So we also, we, we sow in reaction sometimes to the prosperity gospel and it's, oh, it's, it's hashtag blessed on the Mercedes back that we start not believing some of the scriptures like 2 Corinthians says, actually, whoever sows generously will reap generously. So take the example of no one knows that you're struggling because you haven't sown time potentially into someone's life. So they don't know. Sow time. Sow talents. Sow treasures. And the Bible says, not a prosperity gospel. Our gospel is a prosperity gospel. We will prosper because we are the people of God. Because the righteous won't go hungry. We will hold on to the promises of heaven. So we can't kick against some of the promises of God. And it does say, remember the poor. Jesus, clearly, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. In your personal story and our endeavor as a church is to do the same, to remember the poor, in your personal story, try to do the same as well. Why am I so passionate about this? Maybe let me just go there and end there. Because next year is our 21st year and um, we are too exciting a people to have a 20th. So we're having a 21st. And we're going to party like there's no tomorrow. We are having friends come and join us. Wally and Shirley, Rory, Dyer, others are going to come and minister over a number of weeks. We're going to pray and fast for 21 days. Who is with me? Now, some of you are like, not sure. I'm clapping. This is an air clap. You can't even hear this clap. And, um, but, but, but we're also going to ask the church and call the church to be a part of sowing an offering for our future, as we don't do often. 
But we feel there's a mandate and precedent in Scripture. And I would ask, start bringing margin in your world now. Start putting aside. Start putting faith in. Start allocating. Start cutting things you don't need. Do an assessment of your finances saying, God, I want to trust you. I want to have margin and faith. It, it, it's not just about giving more. It's about allowing the order of God into your chaos and my chaos. The enemy loves us in chaos. We're unhelpful for the kingdom of God when we're in chaos. I'm just going to tell you. And, um, but the big issue is I want the full blessing God has for your life and mine. I want the full blessing. I, I want to, John, Jesus says, um, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. But whatever the father does, the son also does. This is what we do. We are generous. Because that's who our Father in heaven is. Some takeaways maybe for those who give and partner and have had a revelation of this. And I want to say thank you. I've said it already. But I really, 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 really do want to say thank you. We honor what God is doing in and through you. And thank you for partnering. And I pray, expect something of God's blessing and favor in your life. Expect it. For those who cannot give right now, I would encourage you, allow the government of God into your life. Remember, we love... Baby Jesus, and we love because it all ends in the Prince of Peace. But what comes before that? The government is on his shoulders. That little baby becomes a king. Right now he's a king on a throne. And the government rests on his shoulders. When you allow the government of his word, his ways, and heaven to come upon your life, you will see a touch of heaven in your story. You'll see peace in your finances. And allow that. Get help. Don't be too proud to ask someone. Go sit with, a, with a Andrew Mack, with Bruce, Brett. Your name's Brett. And um, <laughs> JP, others. Um, sit with guys and say, guys, can you help me get order in this chaos? And have a vision that you want to partake in a giving story and start somewhere. If you can't do 10% of whatever your income, start somewhere with faith. Do it with faith. Do it joyfully. And for those who don't give or maybe don't want to give, my invitation, it's just an invitation to partner in something with eternity in mind. Submit yourself to the word of God. And if you want to talk about it or you have different thoughts, when I mention the word tithing, your hair riles up and you, you, you think of some angry dude on a YouTube video, come and talk. And let's talk Bible, not experience. Let's talk tithing before the law, tithing after the law, a principle that leads to life. Let's talk those things. But I will tell you that I honestly believe it's good for you. It'll look like maturity, prosperity, blessing, and I want to just say, this is how we fight our battles. You're wanting breakthrough in your finances. You want a future financial story. Fight your battles in faith. When it doesn't make sense, when it doesn't look like there's rain in the cloud, why put your seed in the soil? That's exactly when we put our seeds in the soil. That's what Christians do. They trust the provision of heaven. And they keep their heart that defaults to small as big. But keep putting their fingers in the soil, and trust in God. Can we stand, please? And I'm going to hand over to Gabe as I need to make my way back. I just want to say it is the greatest privilege of our lives, and I speak with Gabe and the leaders, to lead in this community. You are a faithful, faithful, powerful community, and we are going to see miracles. We're going to see miracles. We want to see miracles.